All right, man, we're, we're rolling, man. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast here with none other than Adam Rotella for our Halloween bonus episode. How you doing, Adam? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for your time. Happy Halloween, because this is going to be coming out on Halloween if we get everything timed right. That's cool. Yeah, man. So um, we have a lot. You know, you sent me some bands to check out. We're gonna talk, we're gonna give everybody like like this is like the meat and potatoes of Heavy Hole Podcast. We're gonna talk obscure old death metal bands, personally recommended by Adam. So they're extra stinky and extra dug up from the crypt. Um, and we're gonna go through some. 80s traditional 70s and 80s horror movies that I think a lot of people have seen and then I'm going to pick Adam's brain about some more obscure ones sound good Adam? Yeah definitely. Awesome man so um, getting into it man before we start out man uh, just so the listeners know if people are new or there's fans of Adam's work kind of tuning in for the first time to what we do on Heavy Hole Adam has like I think you did a, a short interview, call-in interview on one of our very first episodes where we talked about like real gore pictures on album artwork, and we did a whole episode with Adam where we dug into the past and getting into metal and grind in the first place, and like a, a, a proper biographical episode once before. So I think this is Adam's third time on, man. Welcome back, Adam. It's definitely great to be here. Yeah, man. Any um, any new developments you want to talk about? Anything going on? I know, like, there's always kind of random represses and things going on with your projects, and you always have a lot of things to keep busy with. Anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, recently, I'm sure a lot of people know, but uh, a, a four-way split tape with uh, anal birth, biosis, internally mutilated, and vomitoma mm. came out by uh, Breathing Problem Productions, re-released it as a uh, as a double LP. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty nice. Also, uh, my friend Zen Lopex from uh, from K uh, Nine Hemorrhoids re huh. released uh, the mutilated the mutilated infant album. Yeah, he, he released it. He released a cassette version. Okay, so I yeah. believe his label is called. I'm probably gonna say it, pronounce it wrong. Causticity Productions, I believe. Okay, we'll, we'll go. So anybody that knows Zen, like on Facebook or whatever, can hit him up for for a copy. Yeah, there, there's only so many labels that repress your work on cassette, Adam. So we'll we'll take a look for it. It's awesome that you're getting the cassette reissue treatment nowadays, man. Um, with your work and uh, you know, speaking of old school reissue stuff, you recommended to me a lot of stuff, most of which hasn't really had a proper reissue. Maybe you could school me on that. And I'm going to get right into it now. This is like, like I said before, the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Listeners can get out their little legal pads and their pens right now uh, yeah. and write this down. First off, you actually recommended one that I had already slipped in um, to the, the CD, the, 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 the disc changer, uh, Care of Rick, Rick Habib. Um, shout out to him holding me down with the, the old school CD changer I got now. Necrotomy from Texas, uh, the yeah. old Wild Rags release, man. Do you want to just bring the listeners up to speed on what that is? Uh, it was a in the early '90s. I, I, it was some band called Necrotomy. Even back then, I think there were a lot of bands called Necrotomy. This one was from Texas. As far as they might have had a rehearsal demo, besides that, but bes besides the mini CD they put out on Wild Rags called Indecent Exposure. Yes. Uh, that's as far as I think uh, professional releases they had. But I mean. I wouldn't call them a gore grind band, even though they do have that sound. It's really hard to explain, but it's just they do have the pitch shift of vocals. It is like really grindy, sometimes noisy death metal. 
but it, it's definitely definitely a great band though. Absolutely, man. I mean, I'm I'm looking on uh, Metal Archives right now, and the Indecent Exposure EP in '93 on Wild Rags is is the one that that um, people know. And there was a a demo before that that I never even realized, but it was reissued. Um, about to be instantly sold out, and seventy only seventy seven copies made by a German label, uh, Keller Rassel Records, reissued the the EP and the demo on cassette. Um, I would I would be surprised if it's not already sold out, man. But re- you know the thing is, you say it's not not like I know what you mean. How it's like kind of not gore grind. It's more like um, it always reminded me a little bit of Impetigo, the way they mix in the punk and kind of like old school punk hardcore and the sense of humor with it every once in a while. You know, it was like before gore grind was so established. You know, yeah, definitely. Like it's definitely it's definitely like that. It's like you wouldn't really say it's gore grind, but it's every bit as, as sick as it is. Just, I guess, maybe more like, maybe more on the death metal side. Yeah, def- definitely for fans of uh, Impetigo, I would say, man, for, for that reason. Yeah. You know, I, I think I brought it into the podcast once before, man, but it's definitely worth, especially this day. That I, I so wish somebody could just buy that Wild Rags catalog and put everything out properly again, man. They do pop up once in a while. I mean, unfortunately, you see it for hundreds of dollars, some of this stuff, but then you... you I ran into that because I don't have the CD anymore, but I ran into it for a very cheap price. And I, I was like, you know, I really missed that CD. So I, I just, I picked it up and I was like, wow. It, it's it's really cool stuff, man. I, I'll always love just the band photo too, man. They just look like a, bu- a bunch of like wise ass, kind of like troublemaking kids from the neighborhood. There's just a vibe on that album, man. It's cool. Yeah. And someone did post an old interview for, of them too talking about it it might actually been a newer interview with one of the one of the original members really are they in a band now Uh, i don't think they from what i remember i mean my memory is not that that good at my age but i just from what i remember (laughs) they're just kind of reminiscing about how you know how they how they recorded and played shows in the old days all right, man. Maybe maybe I gotta get them to reminisce a little bit on the heavy hole sometime, man. We'll we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, but but moving along, um, any final thoughts on Necrotomy from Texas? I love it. I mean, I always liked it, but just listening to it again after all those decades of not hearing it, like it's just, I just love it even more. I'm like, why did I not like track down a replacement copy of this sooner? <laughs> it's just one of those fell through the cracks type of things. Yeah, well, after this episode, there's probably going to be a few less copies if there's some on Discogs or something, man. Um, but but they'll, they'll be they'll be in good hands if the heavy hole listeners track them down. I am starting to see people post about it, though. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was basically forgotten about almost. Yeah, well, that that's what we're doing here, man. And um, and in that spirit, moving along now, because uh, we got a lot to work through here. The next one you told me about is actually a side project or a band that has members of Final Exit, a, a little bit more of a notable Japanese noisecore band, OPS-PSF. Yeah, I'd say they're one of the best noisecore bands in existence. Wow. Wow. Okay, that's a lofty title. Um, but I did listen to it. Now, one of the things, I remember years ago, you played me the Final Exit Excreted Alive uh, split tape. Uh, excreted alive the, the band from Spain and um, the, that that's the first time I heard Final Exit Final Exit has this characteristic sound that OPS PSF kind of has too 
where the bass is like the most overwhelmingly rumbling, like chaotic speaker blowing bass that overtakes the whole music. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the best part is they don't know anything. They use bass, and it's one guitar player. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like the, the that low register just kind of wipes everything out, and you end up hearing yeah. kind of just cymbals and vocals underneath this rumbling sound and an OPSPSF kind of took it like Final Exit had a little bit of a sense of humor and they would mix in like surf rock or punk parts here and there and stuff whereas yeah. these, these guys kind of got down to business with OPSPSF yeah it was just constant noise blasting <laughs> where did you first hear about that about that project yeah about that or about the Final Exit guys in general I'm trying to remember I probably it was probably Corporal Arts the, the mm. zine from Japan that was that was ran by the dudes from uh, Cast Sexual Words Motivation yes yes wow okay that's that's a deep cut right there so back in the 90s man and the OPSPSF dates back then yeah they basically from what I gather they were a side project to Final Exit whereas Final Exit how you said had the the humor parts and the, the surf guitar parts and like uh, OPSPSF was basically just just straight up mud noise. Hmm. Pretty influential on me, I think. I, I could hear that a little bit with the anal birth thing, with the rumbling, uh, the guitar, you know, um, wall of noise going on. Yeah, they, bas- they basically, yeah, because like early anal birth, even though you don't hear it, was very influenced by AC's Top 40 Hits album, where they really <laughs> did the, the rumbling bass and that was very influential on Final Exit, of course. Yeah, well, of course, there's, there's like, there's, there's certain bands where AC is actually in like a, a musical influence more than you know a lyrical or, or you know the sense of humor influence. Yeah, definitely, they're the most famous noise core band in, ever to this day. So they, they definitely influenced a lot of bands. Yeah, man. You know what this makes me think of, too, just because at first I thought maybe this was the guys in Final Exit because I remembered Repultred Mangle, but that's actually a side project of Gorbion Necropsy members, right? Yeah. That that was similar, too, because it was a little bit similar to Gorbion Necropsy, but also kind of more stripped down um, with, like, less of the the, the kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek funny elements, you know, more of a noise core project. Yeah, and they had live drums because back then they were still... They were still a drum machine band. Yes, I think yeah. They, they did. They did repulture it as because I I believe this was the bass player of Gorby and the Cropsy who was getting into playing drums. So he did this project with them playing drums. Huh. And that that was before Gorby and the Cropsy themselves decided to use live drums for for their recordings. Well, yeah, because I was revisiting the the very first Gorbion Necropsy releases where they were um a, kind of more of like a drum machine like almost like a death metal gore grind band they had like like a very more serious kind of like carcass style song structure thing going on and i i had never realized that they started out so serious before they took the more like rock and grind route yeah when you when you hear when you hear the early demo stuff like that you definitely hear where uh catasexual urge motivation got their influence from a hundred percent. It blew my mind because I never had sat down. I knew Gorbion Necropsy more from the um, like the I guess you know the Relapse album and and after that and and it's funny because I'm looking I'm putting the pieces together now. It sounds actually like um, they kind of went with the repultered mangle sound for Gorbion Necropsy eventually and Catasexual Urge Motivation totally took something from that first Gorbion Necropsy demo. It's crazy. 
Yeah, when I heard the first demo, I definitely heard the similarities. That. Yeah, yeah, man. So all right, so that's a, that's an inadvertent one we talked about. We were talking about OPS PSF, one of the best noise core bands in the world, according to Adam, and Repultred Mangle. If anyone's into Gorbion Necropsy and wants to dig deeper, um, they can do like the Law and Order SVU. And go back to Repultered Mangle and go back to the first Gorbion Necropsy demo and the first Catasexual Urge Motivation demo and try to put it all together. That's crazy. Yeah, I just can't talk about Japanese bands without going back into them. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you mentioned that Corporal Arts zine that um, the guys from Catasexual Urge Motivation did. And back in, in the days, especially before we had super internet access for, for the underground scene, that was the Bible of they covered a lot of international bands but that was the only way you found out about a lot of japanese bands too in terms of the noise and the gore grind and stuff yeah, and plus that scene introduced me to my a lot of my favorite bands today like regurgitate last days of humanity mm. all those bands i first heard about from that zine yeah it was a crazy wave back in the 90s you know that more like i morbid records kind of wave you know in the mid 90s whenever the gore, gore grind was really popular but it was still kind of underground yeah, they were just they were a lot less they were a lot less bands back then. Like Gorgon like isn't what it is today, like where it's actually spread out to where we live, where we never had stuff like that. <laughs> Do you dude, I'm just talking you remember like sitting at, when when we were teenagers, like listening to Carcass and watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre in my parents' house, like they like like wishing we could find people to start a Gorgrind band with or, and it was like a ridiculous idea. Like we yeah. knew it was, we knew there was nobody within anywhere that that knew what what you know dead infection was. There was probably people back then, but you know we we, we couldn't be on Facebook with them or anything, you know. Yeah, now we know people that are like mocking the the regurgitate logo. Yeah, for, <laughs> yeah. for their covers. Hey, shout to them! Shout to the younger generation of gore grind people, man. It's 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 cool, man. Um, but but let's let's I can't get too too much of a tangent because you gave me a, a long list and all of it is good stuff for the listeners. Yeah, I, I do this. I go off. I go off, and I'm like, I gotta mention like ten other bands that are like interconnected. Well, me, me too. I brought up Repultured <laughs> Mangle, so this is what this is what we do. This is what we do, man. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, hide, this is a good one though. Hideous Corpse from Colorado. Hideous Corpse. I I, I bought a two song seven inch that turned out to be. Just two songs off their demo, which is funny because I brought them up because I had just bought a, a compilation LP that had their that has the full demo plus plus some like rehearsal demo tracks. Oh, okay, yeah, I see. I guess they, they there's something came out. It, there's like it's 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 labeled on Metal Archives as a split, but I guess maybe it's like just a, a collection of stuff they did. Oh, they did a split with Pyogenesis back in the day. I think so, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But I think a lot of stuff that was released was maybe like reissues of just that demo. Yeah, and plus that that two song seven inch that I'm pretty sure I, I I gave that to you. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I still have it in the box here, nice and safe, man. Way way back in the day, I have a lot of your old collection still um, here in here in the, the vault. Um, but one day one day we'll sort that all out, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you held on to it though, because a lot, like you gave me stuff that I was like, oh man, thank God, like I would have lost this if, if if it wasn't at your house. Yeah, there's a, well, there's a little like my 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 parents' house has become like the um, the, like I said, the vault, man. There's some stuff here from a, a little bit of everybody's collection, man, and stuff from people who 
moved away or, or people got out of death metal. I ended up having to pare down a little bit over the years, but I never got rid of any of your stuff, man. That's like the foundation. As a matter of fact, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it now and go out on another tangent because I, I have a box of seven inches. I have a lot of your stuff, but we'll we'll talk about that off air um, one day, man. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll yeah we'll sort that later sometime. But um, uh, but I get a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of people know, but hideous corpse ended up. Be- I mean, I thought they became Skeleton of God, but I believe like two of the members went off and joined the band Skeleton of God. Yeah, that's what it's listed as here, man. And Skeleton God is, is I actually enjoy that band, but it's a little bit of a different beast. Um, you know, Hideous yeah. Corpse is a little bit more straightforward, whereas Skeleton of God is a little bit, you know, they kind of have like the psychedelic angle on death metal kind of. Yeah, Hideous Corpse is just more like straightforward. Like I guess you could say like, they don't sound like suffocation, but like they they always got lumped into into that. Like they sound like suffocation. They definitely have their own sound mixed in, but like I guess I could see what they're talking about. Well, that's like like when we talked to Chris Basile from Pyrexia, he talks about how when Sermon of Mockery came out years ago, like zines and people all just said it was a suffocation ripoff. You know what I mean? And and also yeah. they used to say that Broken Hope was a Cannibal Corpse ripoff. So it's like, and now we remember these as like classic releases, you know? Yeah, and the, the, all these like this band against that band that I'm sure both bands that were friends with each other huh. did not enjoy having happen. That's that's more like quote unquote music journalists, you know, which is what yeah. I try. I, I'm not trying to do with the podcast, man. We're trying to be more like how zines are, you know. Yeah, but but yeah, Hideous Corpse definitely definitely a great band. Yeah, and I, yeah, so I see there's some stuff reissued fairly recently, man. It's a little confusing. There's some splits and some reissues there with Skeleton of God. And Skeleton of God stuff is out there um, for people to get. Now moving along, there's another interesting one here, Evoke. Um, that one, I gotta admit, you caught me cold with that. I have no, I had no idea about them, and I just kind of checked out. I was able to find some stuff on YouTube. Yeah, one of the first zines I bought overseas was called Anatomia from Scotland. Mm, okay, Scotland. They, they were one of the bands featured. Evoke was from England. And I ended up getting in touch with their their singer, their singer John, who was a really cool guy. <laughs> like, I'm, I remember when, I think they had sold out of their demo, but he's like, just send me a tape and some postage and I'll hook you up. And I was so broke back then. Like, I think I remember somebody giving me, like, an answering machine tape. Like, a full-size one. Not one of those little tiny ones, but, like, a full-size cassette. But yeah. it was for an answering machine. And I ended up sending him that and a couple of dollars, and he sent me the demo back, taped over it. That's awesome. That's that's underground, man. That's uh, is, is this John Redfern you're talking about? Yeah. that's Yep, Mr. John wow. Redfern. Wow, because I'm looking on Metal Archives going along here. Unfortunately, I, I got a little bit of bad news, man. I don't know if you realize he, he passed away. No, I didn't. And that, that's that's really a shame to hear. He, he really was a good dude. He was a very nice guy. I didn't write him for a long time. And most people back then, when I didn't write him for a long time, they're like, oh, we thought you died, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he was, just, he was so laid back about it. He was like, no, cool. He's like, you don't have, you don't have to explain it to me. He's like, I'll hear from you again when I hear from you. He was just that, that laid back and cool and nice about everything. Yeah, it, it says he uh, he was still active with Evoke right up until 2010, and he passed away about two years ago. So we're, we'll shout out John Redfern of Evoke uh, from the United Kingdom. And do you want to just maybe talk a little bit about the music um, for people who might want to check it out? 
music's great. I mean, like I said with Hideous Corpse, like how they were compared to Suffocation a lot, like Evoke was compared to Bolt Thrower a lot, which I could also see, but, you know, they definitely had their own sound. Like, just like, just like a really heavy, just like really heavy raw old school death metal. Well, back then we call it death metal. Now it's old raw old school death metal, but... Back then it was yeah, just there was just the good was, stuff. Just straight ahead, like heavy stuff. Like I remember when I before I read the interview in Anatomia Zine, it said ripping death from England. I was like, Yeah, that when I heard the demo, I was like, Yeah, that basically uh that covers it. Was that one of the first bands you were aware of, like from the United Kingdom playing that extreme? Like did you hear about them before desecration? Uh, about the same time. Okay. I was introduced to all those bands through that that same zine. That's how I got like up on like the, the scenes in like Scotland, England, uh, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we it's it's just goes to you know again the zines how how much because we talk about these old bands and it shows how the zines come into play uh, especially in that that nineties age man. Um, uh, so yeah, so rest in peace to John Redfern of Evoke. Uh, and yeah, I had no idea. Uh, that's my condolences. If anybody, his friends and family are listening somehow, my condolences to all of you. He, he was a really cool guy. He was somebody I really enjoyed uh, being in touch with. Yeah. And, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And just a great vocalist, too. Like, he, he, he just really seemed to be, like, you know, a real supporter of death metal and uh, really just a really nice guy. Really, you know, just cool no ego all that stuff well rest in peace to him and people can check out evoke actually has a pretty long discography going back so um you can check out that and now moving along um another one you mentioned that i am familiar with judeca from florida um going back to 1991 they had that eternal rest demo and scenes of an obscure death demo and i think um most people would agree that they kind of uh uh, their, their last release, their full length Beyond What the Eyes Can't See, I think that was on Wild Rags. That was kind of like where they peaked. Yeah, they were definitely a great band. Uh, when I first became aware of Wild Rags Records, I, I believe it was uh, Chris Pervelis gave me uh, a copy of the Wild Rags zine, the first one I'd ever seen. And I had ordered Ipatigo's Horror of the Zombies. And I also ordered that CD because I guess I read the description it just sounded like up my alley so i was like okay i'll order the impetigo cd i've been wanting to get and i'll order this judeca cd scenes of an obscure death it's just like really raw really like it was like the most probably the most lo-fi death metal i'd heard to up to that point like the drum sound is like very interesting <laughs> it, it is one of those old albums that it's like its charm is kind of in its its unusual sound and and the cover artwork is I don't want to. I don't want to like be disrespectful and say it's amateurish because it works. It's just. It's like it speaks to how young death metal was, you know, back then. I liked it. It made me realize how like how much I enjoy lo-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like really basic raw. Like the drums on that release, like people would say was weak, but I don't think so. Like it, it was. It was a very interesting drum sound. Like you really can only hear the snare through one speaker. <laughs> Like it was just like very, very stripped down, but I, I, I really enjoyed it though. 
It's just got a lot of personality, and everything about it like reeks of the underground scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it is perfect in that way. The great riffs, like very killer vocal style. Yeah, it, it's a shame that they didn't um, do more. I I know you could. I gotta look now because I don't. I'm not sure if members are still active. There's not really there's not really anybody listed um, from the main lineup actually uh, that that's I think in any bands that I know of. So I remember they were one of the bands that started this whole. I don't remember if uh, they gave me like a free tape or something like that, but they they had me like get all these addresses of people. That was their way of promoting. They would just have me like get a bunch of my friends to put their addresses down and stuff like that. Like a mailing list? Yeah, a mailing list, basically, yeah. <laughs> so you used to write back and forth with them back in the day? Yeah, a lot. Wow. But I, I believe the guy's, the original guitarist, vocalist name was Travis Haycook, I believe his name was. Yeah, that's what it says, that's what it says on archives. Fact check. Yes, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, I feel so senile lately, but I can remember shit like that, no problem. Well, what's funny is, do you remember the bass player's name? That I don't. Bill Smith. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do remember a Bill Smith, but I didn't know if he replaced Travis or if he came in on bass later. Yeah, the, yeah, the bass player. I, yeah, I, I sympathize with him, man. I sympathize with him. Because I remember when I told you his name. You're like, so he was born William Smith. I was yep. like, yep. Yep. Yeah, he's got your name. I, you know, it's it just happened to me two days ago. I, actually, people listen to Heavy Hole might know on the Instagram. I did a little video going through the used metal CDs at Mr. Cheapo's Records in Comac. Like well, two I gotta days go ago. back. I haven't been there in so long. I need to go back there. Yeah, there's there's always some. You know, they, they got the metal mixed in alphabetically with every other genre for vinyl. So you got to dig a little bit. Um, uh, but they got a cool used metal CDs. You know, it, it's a cool place, but. Uh, I, I checked out and I used my, my uh, debit card to pay and the, this is the worst part is that I wasn't even like striking up conversation with the guy but the cashier he, he just looked at my card and he goes oh so your name's Will Smith this is to show people that that really does have if you think people don't just do that they do that all the time to me and he's like that must be awesome they say that every time like people I don't know why you think it's so awesome but I won't go off on the tangent <laughs> the tangent here but it's just to show you what happens all the time man so that's it it but, makes um, me think of at least your name's not michael fucking bolton yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's what the guy said too man that's that's the famous <laughs> scene and you're like i celebrate his whole catalog you know that's that's what i gotta say about wilson but enough about him man um we got enough catalogs to celebrate so moving on man we talked about judeca a lot right there we gave people the raw deal because it's a raw album uh, I think moving on, uh, another one that you caught me off guard with that I've, I really am not familiar with unless I heard it years ago and forgot about it, Entity, spelled E-N-T-E-T-Y. Yeah. Yeah, that band's got probably the, like, I thought that uh, Ruben from Devourment had the lowest vocals until I heard this guy. Wow. Yeah. And and what year are we talking? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. Do you remember what year that was, their demo? Well, this vocalist, they had two vocalists. Like, the one that they're most known for, I think it was called Cadaveric Necrogrind, that actually had a different singer. Like, their original singer was on their live album from the, the very early 90s or late 80s or whatever it was. And then he came back for their last demo, which was in 94. 
Okay, so I got it here. You're talking about eviscerated and mummificated in 91. There would have been an original singer, I guess, and then Into the Desolate demo, 94, there was a, a singer? Yeah, I, I think the original singer came back for that one. Is that is like, that Joe Perez, also of Infamy? No, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's somebody else. I think that's the guy who was on Cadaveric Necrogrind, but I could be mistaken. Jack Ortiz is the other vocalist. Jack Ortiz is, the, is who I'm thinking of. Okay, so we're, we're that we're, guy has hands down the lowest natural vocals I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so just just for clarification for the listeners, we're talking about Entity E N T E T Y. Uh, their '91 demo, eviscerated then mummificated demo, which is the only release with Jack Ortiz on vocals. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure he was also on a, on a live demo that they did. When they first got, when they first started, I think. Okay, then for the listeners, it's I'm, I would bet right now that Adam Rotella probably has uh, more knowledge of this than Metal Archives at the moment. I would, I would bet my life that that. Oh wait, no, because here you go. There was a re-release CD, Adam, uh, on Burning Dogma Records in 2014, and the first eight tracks are live at the Waters Club, 1990. That's the CD I have. When you Bing said Burning bomb. Dogma, I was like, "That's that's the label I got it from, too." Ah, all right, I'm glad. Uh, see, this is great. Shout out to Metal Archives. I always use Metal Archives for the podcast. Um, we joke around, but this is great because in real time, I can also give the listeners the information about these bands you want to recommend, man. So that's cool. So that's interesting, man, because he the, the vocals were pretty fucking amazing. Um, I you know especially when you go back to uh, a demo from, let's see, what was this? We're talking about the. Uh, eviscerated then mummificated demo in, in 91 Frank Mullen was doing those those crazy effigy of the forgotten vocals back then but other than that you kind of had to look far and wide for some some really sick vocals like that man yeah this guy I mean I don't know if they used effects I don't think I don't think he did but like these vocals are just like the most gruesome I've ever heard from like a non-pitch shifted voice I think yeah, I think the um, back in the day too, man. Sometimes you never know what they were recording on, what kind of microphone they were using, if they had some sort of little uh, four track or something. You know, that could all be be a contribute. But what a, it's it's another one of those yeah, kind of like yeah. But as far as like straight up like grinding like death metal vocals or whatever you want to call them, death metal vocals, whatever. But they they're definitely the the lowest I've ever heard. Hundred percent. Um, and and we'll we'll leave it there. We're winding down the list. We got a few more to get through, and this is one of my favorites here. Um, a band I've talked about a little bit. I think when we did our episode about Seven Inches, I talked about Sarcastic from Brazil. Oh man, talk about raw, like with a capital R. Uh, yeah, that, absolutely, man. That corpse and decomposition Seven Inches is probably one of my prized possessions in my collection. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we talked about that a little bit. And what about, I'm noticing now that they came back with this macabre human mutilation uh, full length in, in 2000. Do you have that? No, I, 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 had a, I had a dub from somebody, I think, but I never owned an actual copy of it. I mean, I have the 7-inch, but I never owned the album. It was actually reissued on Mutilation Records in 2015 with the Corpse and Decomposition as bonus tracks on a CD. Yeah, I, I heard about that. I would like to have that. 
Yeah, I got to look that up myself, man. That's that's hot right there. So, I, yeah, I didn't realize they came back so many years later. Well, not some, but, but with a full length in 2000. I didn't realize that there was that much after that corpse and decomposition, man. You want to talk a little bit and give your take on why they're so sick? I don't know, just like the... It's like one of the most raw guitar sounds in death metal. <laughs> Did they even tune? Do you think they tuned at all? <laughs> they might have, but, you know, it's just... Between the production and the, the super low tuning, like it, and whatever pedals they were using, it's just like near perfect guitar sound. In my, it, it, as far as my taste goes, <laughs> it 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 definitely sounds like it could have been on one of our old projects. Yeah, but it's it gives it such a dark atmosphere too, man. It's so unsettling, man. Oh yeah, definitely. A, a little bit like that. Um, the the gore out gore from Brazil. What was their album? Um, Consumed by slow decay. Yes, yeah. Because the guitars on that, I think, are a little out of tune sometimes too, or maybe they're just played a little sloppy sometimes. But it's in this way that's really unsettling. It's just something that some of these bands do. You know, I mean, now that I'm kind of pinning it down, rotting flesh kind of did that too. Like it's a little bit of a of a, of a thing you hear in some Brazilian bands. Um, I don't know if it speaks to like maybe budgetary reasons or just like stylistic reasons, but yeah, they, they their guitars sound sometimes are so unsettling and noisy. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And um, and the pitch shifters are random. Cool, cool shit, man. Um, were you ever in touch with Sarcastic? Not that I remember. I don't remember how I originally got. Because my my the seven inch I have now is a replacement copy. Because I'm pretty sure I lost it or something like that. But it's far, I might have got the first one from a distro. I don't remember being con. I mean, I was in contact with some Brazilian bands, but I don't think they were one of them. Who were you in touch with back in the like? What's your oldest Brazilian contact going back to the old tape trading days? I'm trying to think. I don't think I was in contact with the guys from Gore or Rotting Flesh. It might have been. Vomito was probably the oh. the first guy I was in contact with Vomito. in the mid '90s. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, kind of more of a obs- mid mid to late '90s. Yeah, more of an obscure band. That's cool, man. Um, all right, so so pushing on, you got one that's a little bit closer to home that we've discussed once or twice on the podcast. Um, upstate New York, disgorged past tense uh, of disgorge, disgorge with a D at the end from upstate New York. Uh, refresh my memory, Adam. Refresh me in the listener's memory on Disgorged. They were a band from upstate New York. They, it was really short lived. They actually, they actually became Withered Earth mm-hmm. not too long after. But yeah, they had a, they had an album called Thy Hideous Wake that they actually self released themselves. That's back when it was like a very like to put out a professional CD on your own was like not a heard of thing back then. But they they had done it. Ninety-three. I guess you can call it. Yeah, you you could call it like. Yeah, there was like a lot of New York sound in there, but it was just like also like a. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like. Uh, like really heavy death metal with like, like a, you know, a nice gore grind backbone to it. Like just like. Just like you know, it's like straight up death metal, but also has like a like a gore sound to it. 
Yeah, well, it's really like low end, heavy and chunky. The vocals are brutal. And it's kind of ahead of its time for that reason, man. And they also, I don't know if you want to say slammed a lot, but they had a lot of those really groovy parts for a band that wasn't necessarily from, from downstate New York, from Long Island or from New York City. They, you know, they grooved a lot too, kind of like older internal bleeding, man. Disgorged was heavy as hell. I don't know if it was Dave Colross's first band, but it was definitely um, Dave Colross, uh, who people might know from like Malevolent Creation and... Pyrexia, Suffocation. He's been in a lot of groups over the years. Um, this was yeah. one of his earliest bands. Yeah, I saw them live once, and they had bought copies of their album. I didn't, I bought it from a distro because they'd sold out of the the, the copies they, they brought so fast because they had got such a great reaction at the show. Yeah, I remember seeing Withered Earth live uh, once or twice, but not uh, you know, Disgorged was a little bit before my time. Yeah, they were very short-lived. I just happened to see them they, they it was one of these all-day death metal fests at the roxy and they just happened to, to be one of the bands playing man who else do you think played that fest oh my god it was so many uh you remember infestation from uh from uh massachusetts wow okay they they, they played there that's well, how i first heard them wasn't that mike DeSalvo of cryptopsy's first band? yeah that was his first band. Yep. Interesting. Wow. Okay. They're kind of. I see the. I think they got a reissue re, uh, recently. I've seen the name pop up. I bought the two reissue tapes that they came out of their first of their t- two demos. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. I'm glad these reissues are happening, by the way, because then people can't price gouge the originals. <laughs> well, they, well, they can't. But they're gonna. I, I don't have to buy them. They're going to do what they do on Discogs, man, regardless, man. But, yeah, I know oh, exactly yeah. what you mean because yeah, I'm, will. I, you know, I want, I buy stuff to listen to and to kind of have on my little rack here on my collection, man. I don't buy stuff to, to keep it in a um, uh, a little zip Ziploc baggie and resell it, you know, when, when the market hits like it's cryptocurrency or something. Yeah, I can't stand that. <laughs> but it is what it is. It's I, You know, I always think about King Fowley from Deceased uh, talking about his. We had him. It's funny. I, I think of this now because a year ago we had him on our last Halloween special. But he talked about on that, that episode how um, uh, his record collection. He's like, no, these are my records, man. I play them. And, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're with me for the whole, you know, ride or whatever he said, man. He, you know, he's, he's not, you know. As cool as it is to be a record collector and take good care of your stuff, you know, there's also something to be said for, uh, you know, the, playing your records and getting the music out of them while you're, while you're alive, you know? Yeah, because, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, just just collecting them, just to have them. Like, I just, I, I, I keep the stuff because I want to play it. I want, you know, when I'm like, oh, I'm in the mood for that, uh, you know, that, that grotesque infection album like yeah here it is i'll put it on like not yeah. like oh maybe one day this will make me some money or i'll just hold on to it and <laughs> never touch it if you want to if you want to make an investment buy some real estate leave those internal ble- <laughs> those internal bleeding demos alone all right yeah or play them yeah go to play them play them or pass them along <laughs> i like that too man play it or pass it along it's like yeah. uh what was that movie man there was that that movie uh now I'm gonna forget the movie with John Depp, uh, Johnny Depp, where he's got to uh, he's got he's got to go find the missing piece of the book that unlocks the devil and unlocks hell or whatever. Man, you know you, the guy's got these locked up books in a vault somewhere. That's somebody with like internal bleedings demos and everybody's demos. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Speaking of tapes on top of tapes, we talked a little bit about Discord, and we brought it back to internal bleeding without trying to, I, I, I noticed too, man. But if for, for people who like that old, brutal internal bleeding sound when it was a little more um, guttural and a little bit more visceral death metal for internal bleeding, Disgorged is uh, probably not a bad place to, to, to look um, for something similar. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, man. So, um, and moving on, another one that's really sick here is Paralysis. And we're kind of getting into this theme. We were just talking about bands that somebody a little bit big or, or has a big name uh, used to be in paralysis. Uh, are they correct me if I'm wrong here? Isn't that a Ben from Goat Whore's original band that he sang for? Yeah, Mr. Faust, I believe was yeah he was he was the he was the vocalist in uh, Paralysis, another short-lived band. Two two demos, if I'm not mistaken, one full-length album, and that was it. Yeah, and I've seen it um, reissued in a few forms. I, you know, I don't have it in front of me exactly what it was, but um, I've seen it reissued over the years uh, a, a few way, a few different ways. I bought a cassette. Um, uh, let me try to find it now. Got it right here. Hold on a second, man. Yeah, I knew it was right here. I didn't want to keep people waiting too long on the podcast, but I got it. Yeah, Ben Falgaus from... Uh, um, yeah, uh, I, I called him Faust, like Faust, the the comic book that became the horror movie. <laughs> well, you only, you only, yeah, it's like one letter away anyway. But um, uh, yeah, I got this reissue. It came out on uh, Head Split Records. I should have known. Yeah, Head Split putting out a lot of really nice reissue, nice card and everything, nice nice looking tape. Um, awesome shit, man. It's a reissue. Is that, it's the Patrons of the Dark. Uh, and it, I think it's got both demos, man. I'm looking at it right now. Um, if not, it's just the, maybe it's the album from July 1992. Yeah, I guess it's the album from 92. Yeah, it's the album. Yeah, but I, what an album. I, yeah, definitely. I'd actually, back when I was a kid and I would, my radio would pick up these Connecticut stations. There was this one Connecticut station that would like play death metal for like a half an hour every Sunday night or something like that. And they were playing all these grindcore international bands back to back. They just got signed, and one of them was Paralysis. Oh, that was on Grindcore International. That was the, that was the original release. Ah. It was on Grindcore okay. Which yeah. I, so I I have I found a cassette version because I used to have the CD, but I don't know what happened to it. I found a cassette version on Discogs that was an original, and it wasn't going for a, a billion dollars, so I got that. Cool. And I still have that, by the way. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But, yeah, there was, yeah, the song on there I heard on the radio just blew me away. I was like, wow. I got, I, then I found out the band was called Paralysis, so, of course, I tracked down their, their album. And the whole album's got amazing songs, just like that one. Yeah, it's really deep dark scary atmosphere and ben's vocals um so guttural and like for that it was 1992 uh and again i go back to talking about how how frank mullen's vocals sounded on human waste and effigy of the forgotten and how early in the game that was uh this is another paralysis another very early death metal band with the extremely brutal vocals um really cool low-end shit man yeah Reminds me a little bit of uh, another band that's seen some cool reissues, uh, Infester. Remember Infester from Oregon? I think I think Oregon. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, to- no, I agree with that. That definitely that really 
that heavy guttural sound. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it now. I, I want to say, don't so don't quote me on that, but yeah, I'm looking, I think Morbund Records reissued the Infestor stuff. There's like a compilation with some, an earlier demo or, or EP, but yeah, it's like that got that kind of guttural uh, vocals, but very evil, haunting death metal, man. Really cool shit um, from the early 90s. And moving along, we got one last one. I like, I like that this is the last one because you bring it right back to Long Island. And it's a band, I'm going to admit this, Adam, I kind of stole it from you, and I talked about it a little bit uh, last week when we had Chris Basile on. After uh, we got off with Chris, I, I just gave people like a hot three bands. So I'm going to give the floor to you to talk about Sorrow. Uh, from I believe they were from Long Island, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, they were. Yeah, Sorrow, it was funny because I first heard them, I think when I was... It had to be 13 years old, like when I was just starting to get into like all like the Roadrunner bands and stuff like huh. that, and like huh. I might have already been into like Earache and stuff like that. But I found this band. I went to a, a used music store and I bought three tapes. One was the band was called Sorrow, and the album was uh, Hatred, Anger, and Disgust. Uh, and I I think it was Hatred and Disgust, and Hatred, Anger, Disgust is the Pyrexia album. Yeah, yeah, I'm mixing them up again. Very, very easy to do, man. Very easy to uh, to, to mistake. Um, one yes, way Hatred way. and Disgust, that, that's what it was called. Yeah, of course, okay. <coughs> but yeah, I was blown away by that, too. Like, I had no idea that they were... I had, I saw the, the, the album that came out of Roadrunner, and then I was even more surprised when I found out they were from the area. I was like, what, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think people lose them in the classic, because uh, to be signed to Road, I think it was called Road Racer when they came out on, or, or you know, whatever the breakup was. Road it might Racer, still been Roadrunner, but it was definitely a yeah, very early 90s release. Uh, yeah, I'm just making the point that back then, um, you know, nowadays, that kind of makes it very uh, classic, you know, very prestigious in a way, you know, in this this era of nostalgia, you know. Yeah, but of course, you heard all the bands like Immolation talking about how they went through a period like after that where Roadrunner was just like dropping a lot of the bands. Yeah. Like they dropped, I think they even dropped Suffocation. They dropped Immolation. They dropped like they were dropping all their best bands. To, you know, of course, to make money, <laughs> they had to make way for whatever you know trendy band was coming along. Yeah, well, so that, they just—you could just picture Sorrow as being a band that even back then, when they pretended to give a shit about suffocation, like didn't really care about. I'm surprised they even got signed to them. To be honest with you. Well, maybe I mean they were raw, and they they did this thing where they would slow down really slow doom parts, and then mix them up into like faster, more death metal parts. That oh, was yeah. a, that. It took a little getting used to. I, I like the album. But I, I just, it's not like a gateway death metal album. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it, you're right. Like, it is surprising a bigger label would look into that. Yeah. But I, I guess maybe, maybe they also thought they were trying to find their, their next suffocation or something. I don't know. Or their next death. Yeah. Maybe they, they thought, like, oh, the kids will probably love this too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Vito Vitali was up there in the office, man. He didn't care. Sign the death metal. I don't care. So, they're like, no, let's drop all our fucking bands and sign, sign all these new metal bands. Yeah, new metal and like kind of fourth wave black metal adjacent 
goth electronic stuff that was coming out, weird stuff. That, yeah, that, that those were the labels I looked up to as a little kid too. I was like, earache, all all them labels suck. Earache's putting out a whole bunch of like Black Crows kind of style bands now. That's weird. <laughs> that's like their new niche is like Black Crows kind remember, of like, like kind of bands. I remember when they're you know, like their first wave of like grindcore and death metal. They were like seemed like they were getting sick of that, so they like you know let's put out Dog Eat Dog. <laughs> I remember seeing it on the sampler. I'm like, who the fuck is Dog Eat Dog? Yeah. And I listened to it. I'm like, ugh. Funk. Earache Records, huh? Funk metal. Well, maybe that was like a response to like Chili Peppers or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but we're ta- we're here to talk about bands we like. Um, and Sorrow, New York, is definitely one people got to check out. Man, yeah, you, you saw them live or? No, I never got to. I think they were. I think they might have already been split up. Even probably not too long after I first heard them. Okay, man. Yeah, kind of a short-lived band. Um, yeah. But one I- EP, one album. They actually were. I still haven't heard all the. They were originally called Apparition. And they they had done a, a seven inch for Relapse Records. Wow, that goes deep. Okay, that's interesting, man. And there was one you po- right, There's one bonus band I'm going to throw at you that you didn't put on the list. Um, you had posted something that was allegedly. Uh, members of Pyogenesis, um, uh, and uh, but they had to call it something different. No, uh, it basically was it was Pyogenesis. It was actually their their demo, but but I I heard something that they had to use. I'm going to pronounce the band. They used the name that started with a K mm-hmm. because supposedly, like the two guys who went on to form Gut. Joe and Tim from Pyogenesis, like supposedly they they had a legal issue with another member of Pyogenesis and could not use the Pyogenesis name. <laughs> so the first demo, which is as far as I've heard from Pyogenesis, is the only thing I care about. Is they they reissued that on LP through Iron Bonehead Records, and I I got a copy. I, I had to jump on that because I'd only heard one song from that demo, and just from that one song, I had to hear the rest of it. It, what's it called? Uh, the demo is called Ode to the Churning Seas of Namaturatu. Okay, I'm looking that up now, man. Yeah, so I guess it, it might not be listed officially because it's under a different name or whatever. Okay, man, that's, that's yeah, weird. Yeah, it's not. They, 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 for, I guess for legal reasons. I, I might have been speculating, but it seems like that it was like a later member of the band that probably wasn't even like on that demo, or ah. maybe he was, or but... but all right, so this it, is this is all allegedly. It, yeah, but I think it was from their mouths, but <laughs> I mean, there has to be some truth to it, though. If it was actually on the ads, actually on the flyer for the for the release. All right, so that that's that's an, a super allegedly for the listeners. That's a Halloween mystery for the listeners to check out. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Halloween now. We uh, we went through uh, a hefty amount. We talked death metal and really ain't like we we really turned some stones and picked up some bugs just now, uh, some old ancient death metal bugs for the listeners. And we're gonna go right into it um, and talk about some. Are you ready to talk about some classic Halloween movies? Oh yeah, yeah, always. 
I, I'm like a little bit horror, like classic 80s horror movie illiterate, and I had to like catch up a lot the last few years because you know me, my um, my uncle Frank used to send me the the boxes of tapes of classic yeah. movies from the 60s and 70s. And we used to watch a lot of those ones, but I didn't really watch like a lot of your Nightmare on Elm Streets and Children of the Corns growing up. Because of that, I had access to uh, to the classics. Yeah. What? And and just for the listeners, because I'm always talking about. I, I don't like to like try to sound like I'm bragging about my uncle, but like to, like he used to send me a lot of movies. Man, you remember that? No, oh, no, I definitely remember. I used to look forward to watching them with you. <laughs> Dude, like every two or three months, a box with like a dozen movies, and it was always like allegedly dubs of like these classic movies from the 60s, 50s, who, you know, you name it, like weird stuff that you probably couldn't find back then at the video store, too, a lot, a lot of the time. Yep, good old school something weird video. Yeah. Yeah, I remember having a big barbecue and we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 afterwards. Yeah, definitely great times. That's that's I think that's on Amazon Prime right now. I might watch that, man. Since I've been laid up, I told you I had a little surgery. I've been I've been watching a lot of movies, man. I got some thumbs up and thumbs down, but I talked about that already, man. Um, but nothing like the ones we're going to talk about now. Let's go right in, Adam. It's Halloween. Let's talk about uh, uh, Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street, man. Can you give me like your 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 earliest Freddy memories? Um, you're a few years older than me. Did you see any of them in the theaters or when they first came out? Like, let's let's go right there to the the, the '80s uh, Halloween tradition of Freddy. I never got to see him in the theaters. I mean, what what I, it was it was fortunate that there was HBO in my house growing up. So, you know, HBO would always play the movies maybe like six months to a year after they, in the, they were in the theaters. The first Freddy movie I saw was part three. That came out in 87. I had just moved back from Florida. I was nine years old and it just came to HBO. So that was my earliest memory. It's still one of my favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets too, next to the, the first one. Well, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street part three, Dream Warriors is definitely still to me a great horror movie. It, it it is, and I think that's one of the ones that stands out over the years. People still talk about that. It's funny you mention that because when I was at Cheapos the other day, I got um, uh, the the docking. Uh, it's a twelve inch that has three docking songs that were used in the movie Dream Warriors. Oh yeah, I think I know which ones you're talking about too. Yeah, yeah, man, really. So, so um, uh, yeah, Dream Warriors, man, that was a good one. And then after the, yeah, the next one, they kind of just like tried to. Like reuse the Dream Warriors characters, but they didn't. They they didn't have uh, what's her name anymore. They didn't. They didn't have the blonde girl anymore. Yeah, they 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 had somebody else playing her character. Uh, who who was? Man, I get bad with names sometimes. Uh, I, I know. Trish Arquette was was right. was the main character in Part Three, and then they brought her character back, but she wasn't playing the part. Which which hurt it, man. That hurt it, man. She was she was iconic in that part. She was too good. Yeah, she was probably. I mean, I just figure when that happens, like they probably got a bit like a more lucrative role, like mm-hmm. stuff, something that you know they 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 someone had noticed her in that and like offered her a bit a bigger part in a bigger movie. It, it, which is funny too because she came back full circle. Do you remember she was in like a. She was in like a show on like you know NBC or C, like one of these networks a few years ago, like you know like maybe ten or fifteen years ago, where she was playing like she basically played the same character almost. She was like a psychic lady 
that would like go around, you know, trying to figure out horrible crimes and stuff. I heard of it. I don't think I saw it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Might have been medium. I don't know if it was, but yeah, man. I mean, you know, if you like, she was, but she was basically doing the same stuff. But yeah. but um, uh, well, is I mean, are you? You said that that's your favorite one. Next to next to the first one. Next to oh yeah, next to the classic. What yeah, about those, those two are my favorites of the of the series. Now let's let's go let's go deep, man. After that. After put those two aside, then then those because those are two like kind of like the two best. I would have to agree with that almost. What do you think? Like what what's like the most, uh, like the sickest or the goriest or like what's the one that stands out that you wouldn't say is the best movie, but it's got some of the most like horrific stuff in it or something like that. Surprisingly, it's a movie that I put off for seeing a long time, but actually, Freddy versus Jason actually surprised me. I, I'm still I'm I'm planning on watching that some point this weekend on your recommendation because we had talked about this before, man. So try to sell me on Freddy vs. Jason because you know you know, like you know how everybody would probably look look at that at that point. Yeah, I know people look at it as like the the trendy movie, like the cash in, whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I I sucked it up. I watched it and I actually really <laughs> enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to. I thought I was just going to be like, you know. The cash in that people were talking about it was. You think both characters were fairly faithful? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, they, they. I mean, they might. I mean, people said it was like more of a horror comedy, and I can kind of see that. But like, it was. As someone that enjoys stuff like Brain Dead, Dead Alive, like that didn't bother me. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good way to look at it, man. That's a good way to flip it. And um. Like Freddy hasn't been. How, how long has it been since Freddy's been like a super serious villain? Like you know, he's always he's always cracking cracking wise. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's always dark comedy with Freddy. You know what I mean, yeah. man? Dude, there was so one. People are, yeah, people are saying this like it's like something new. Like all of a sudden, he he was he was like super serious this whole time. Now all of a sudden he's being a, a comedian. Like no, he's he's been for decades. I, I posted this on the the heavy old Facebook a while back when I was rewatching. I think it, my favorite Freddie one liner is actually in Dream Warriors. It's where he's in the the kind of tough girl who's like like she's kind of punk rock, and um, they're in an alleyway, yeah. and he's like, and and, and uh, I think she like she actually stabs him or something. And he steps back, and he's like, he's like, come on, let's get high. <laughs> and he fucking, yeah, well, <laughs> the way got, he says it, man. Yeah, when he's got yeah, he's got the syringes for fingers. Yeah. Come on, let's get high. It's so like something about the you got. I'm not gonna do it enough to make the listeners laugh, but if but it's just something about when you watch it, man. Is Robert England, man? I mean, yeah. I hope they never try to make a Fred. Did they ever try to make a nightmare movie without Robert England? They, well, I don't know if it counts to you, but the remake that doesn't have Robert England. The, there is one. Okay, see, I, I didn't know that there was one, but um, geez. it gets ripped apart. Yeah. I mean, it gets ripped apart, the the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. And I feel bad for Jackie Earl Haley because he actually did a good job, I think. I mean, he's no Robert England, but, you know, people act like he was, like, the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's one of those things where no matter how good you do, uh, you're never going to top that. You yeah, you, I mean? you, you just, yeah, you, you're never going to get to that standard for, for, you know, the hardcore Freddy fans. Yeah, bro, you can't replace Freddy. All right, yeah. so 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 keeping it moving. Um, 
Uh, we're going to do the classic big three right now. Let's talk Halloween. What are your earliest memories of Halloween? Um, that one, I think, uh, Halloween predates. That was back in the 70s it started, man, and had, had a whole lot of sequels, man. Let's let's talk your earliest memories of the Halloween movies. I guess my, my earliest memory is watching the original. The, the, the original, yes, yeah, it's, it's still a great movie. I love it. Just rewatched it with uh, the guys from Pyrexia over the over the, the the weekend. Actually, man, really good movie, man. Yeah, it definitely was, and I can remember being being in sixth grade watching Halloween three, season of the witch. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, like I was, I was pissed off that like you know Michael Myers wasn't in it and all that, but. Over the years, I just learned to not care about that. I just it's it's just it's it's a, it's good as a standalone movie. I think. Yeah, that's what I was about. It's not a bad movie, but that that throws you off a lot. And then they kind of go. And then if you watch the rest of the Halloween movies, they go right back into Michael Myers. It's like this weird, weird break. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, it bothered me. But when I got older, I was like, no, this is just a good movie. Like, I, it, it's just an enjoyable movie. Now the Halloween movies. I'm going to admit here, I, I'm familiar with the original one, the the you know Halloween itself. Um, I saw Season of the Witch and I saw Halloween, but it's it's it gets fuzzy, man. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, and I admittedly haven't seen a lot of the later ones. Sell me on like if I want to get into the Halloween franchise. Like, what do you think are a couple of the good ones? Well, my all-time favorite one is the original part two, not the Rob Zombie part two, but the the original Halloween part two. Yeah, because Rob Zombie did a sequel like fairly recently, right? But there's a part two from what the eighties, the seventies. Yeah, there's a part two from nineteen eighty one. It came out. Got it. Okay. So that's basically where where Michael Myers is going on a, a killing spree at the hospital where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is at you know after she survived from part one. He's basically attacking and slashing people, you know, trying to get to her at the hospital. It picks right up, like like with like within like that night of the of the ending yeah, of the first it, movie, right? It picks up, picks up right where right where that night left off. Which is actually cool if you want to like uh, if you're sitting at home watching them and you got the time, you know what I mean? That's why when they did the when they did the Halloween 2018, they said it was going to forget all the sequels. I like even part two. You're going to skip over part two. That's the best one. They do all this weird shit, man. And I'm also trying to watch... Um, they say that the two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies from like around 2014 or so aren't really part of the timeline now. But if you watch Leatherface, that's supposed to be the prequel to the original one. It's so hard to figure out. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, have you seen all those? Have you seen like up to date on all the Texas Chainsaw movies? Yeah, pretty much. Like now, I mean, this is kind of um, off the off the cuff here because we, we we're going off of the Halloween tangent. But while we're talking about it, man, sell me on that because that's what I'm really off on. Like, obviously, I know Chainsaw Massacre, I know Chainsaw Massacre Two because we watched that a few times. We we used to watch that back in the day. Yeah. After, after that, dude, it gets fuzzy. I haven't seen all these new ones that came out since like 2014 and forward. Well, there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. It was called just called Leatherface. Or it was called Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. That was the 80s, right? Or the 90s? The 1990s. So, yeah, right right okay. at the end of the 80s. 
Okay, that that one I'm fuzzy on. I don't know if I ever saw that. But then, like, there's all these new ones that came out from different directors, and they don't have anything to do with each other sometimes. Uh, well, there's the 2004 remake. That's the one that had Jessica Biel and, like... <laughs> it was all right. I mean, I can't say I hated it. I even, I even bought the, the DVD. Okay. But, you know, it, it, definitely I don't like it anywhere near as much as, the, like, the original three. Which I didn't really like the 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 the, the third one. I I had to admit, like when I first saw it, I really didn't like it that much. But it's one that's really grown over me over, on me over the years. Like I really like it. What about this new one, Leatherface? That's supposed to be a prequel. Yeah, I I did see that. I did see that not too long ago. That basically goes back to when. Uh, Leatherface was a kid, and the funny thing is, you don't actually know who Leather. You think you know who Leatherface is, but you don't really know who he. Is. You don't find out who he is until the end. <laughs> All right, spoiler alert. All right, I'm not gonna say anything else though. Yeah, no, no, I'm, no, not, I, gonna I, say, I I'm not gonna say who who it is, but you know, this. Other than that, like, yeah, it's just it, it was it wasn't terrible. All right, man. Any well, like I've, I've never, I've honestly never seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that I would say like, oh, this is terrible. Like, they're either they go from really great to that. Ah, this one wasn't wasn't a waste of my time. Okay, so so from warm to hot. So that answers my question. Um, and, and now let's go. But let's go in next one up, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, same same backgrounds, uh, like like any any early memories of that franchise, special memories of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was something as a kid. I was pretty, I was pretty obsessed with Jason. <laughs> between between the big three, everyone picks one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Leatherface is still my favorite killer, but you know, I'd seen Jason way before I'd seen that. I mean, yeah, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, like, you know, game-changing. But, like, the original, like, you know, killer I was I was obsessed with was Jason, that's for sure. Jason, the hockey mask and the machete was iconic in the 80s, you know? Yeah. Um, that's what yeah, I, when I first, when I first discovered Jason, I think that's when, uh, that's when Jason Lives came out. That's when... That one was pretty popular when it came out, I guess, because I remember seeing posters for it everywhere. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but I really want to see it. I was a little, little kid back then. <laughs> Big time, man. And then, um, uh, now, same thing. Let's talk. Well, this is a weird one, because there's some people who respect the original Friday the 13th, but they really want to see Jace proper Jason after they get through the, the yeah. kind of backstory with the mother. You know what I'm saying, man? So like, like let like let's open that up, man. Like, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, it's kind of like you got to watch the original Friday the Thirteenth, but it doesn't really have Jason in it in a way. It's another thing that goes back to when I was a little kid. Like how I said about Halloween Three, like you find out that like Michael Myers is not in it, and you're like, oh. This sucks, but then when you you get older, you realize it's it's a good it's 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 a good standalone movie, and it's really entertaining, and it's you know it's it it's it's good. Like you just like you were kind of being like naive because oh your uh, your killer's not in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is well, the same thing with Friday the Thirteenth. Like when I was a kid, and you just find out the mother's the killer, I, I was like, oh that's stupid. But like <laughs> I, I 
I think I think it's actually a pretty cool uh, plot, to, to be honest. Like, you know, once I'm, I'm not being like a, a stupid kid, and I'm like, oh, if Jason's not in it. Like, let's. It's still a it's still a great movie anyway. Hell yeah! It, um, and then and then moving forward, then let's talk sequels, man. Like, what's what's the the Friday the Thirteenth sequel that really comes to your mind first off? Like, what's your favorite one? I still say it's a tie between part four of the final chapter and part six, Jason Lives. Wow. Those are my favorite ones. All right, man. Why? Uh, I think just everything seems more amped up on that. Like Like the kills are great. Like, like Jason himself is just like, I don't know. He's this just. There's just like a lot of like, I don't know, this, I guess the brutality of it. Yeah, well, was Fr- oh, Friday the 13th 4 was the was the last chapter. Okay, because I'm thinking, yeah, for a minute I was thinking of, of the, the Manhattan one where he goes to New York City. Yeah. <laughs> that one was a little silly at, at, at certain points, man. It was, it was a good movie. Oh, no, man. definitely. I always like it, though, because they take him out of his element and they put him in New York City. Yeah, I it's it's great it's great memories for me because I saw it when it first came out plus I enjoy it it's fun it's like not it it's not boring it's not the best it's nowhere near the best one but it's like it's 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 still like a fun movie yeah it's funny how fast they made those movies because I'm looking it up now and Friday the 13th part six was only in 1986. I mean, they they cranked those movies out year after year, man. They didn't really leave a lot of space between movies. Oh yeah, yeah. And the creator Sean Cunningham always had a new director, so he would just get a new director. He'd be like, "Okay, you're doing this part." Yeah, man. They just had well, a new movie every summer. That's crazy. Yeah, but probably my favorite kill from Jason was when he did the triple decapitation in, in part six. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch six, man. Okay. I'm just a sucker for decapitations in movies, and it's a triple one, so you don't see many of them. Which, now, which movie was the one um, where he 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 just grabs someone in the body in the in the in the sleeping bag and just beats them against the tree like a sack of potatoes? You remember that? That was part seven, the new blood. <laughs> I like how you just rattled that right off the top of your head, man. That's great because that yeah, I grew up on. Yeah, I grew up on these movies. Well, they used to play them on TV fairly because that's how I saw. Like, I have yeah, to me go. Too. I have to go back with Friday the Thirteenth because it's kind of all mixed up, like a deck of cards in my head, like shuffled. A lot of these scenes from watching them on TV years ago. I mean, yeah, I said that uh, Part Four and Part Six are my are my favorites, and they are. And the guys that played Jason in both of those are were amazing actors, but. Kane Hodder as Jason in Part Seven was he, he was if I had to say like who your favorite actual Jason was that would be my favorite one. Wow, why do you think why do you think he's better than the others like like that? Just the way Kane Hodder brought the role, like he just like he just I don't know. Like I said, like he 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 just he made Jason into like. Uh, he just made Jason into an insane, like, uh, supernatural beast. Hmm. Like, the other Jasons before that were great. Don't get me wrong, but, like, like that was, like, the beginning of, like, you know, like, 
zombie, demonic, whatever, Jason. And like he just like the way he would like just the violence of it, of his the way the way he brought the violence out of Jason. I don't know. It's just yeah. I'm stumbling on my words here, but it's just like his performance was like top notch. You could say I left you speechless. Yeah. Wow. Just the way he like. Just like even like the way we like breathe and like it's like the fuck like that like, I don't know just like just the way he breathed was like nuts. Shows you like the, the little nuances that these actors got to do in a role like that where they're not relying so much on dialogue, you know? Yeah, like he didn't talk at all. Mm-hmm. You know the Jasons talked. It was all in their it was all in their mannerisms. It was all in their their body language. Their the way they did the violence, everything like that. Yeah. Now, what about what was the one where they put him in space? That was uh, Jason X, Jason Ten. Is it now? I'm a big fan of of like what the fuck kind of science fiction movies. Should I? But should I give it a shot? I mean, you can watch that. If you want my personal opinion, it's like <laughs> I, I I really don't like it. I've I've watched it twice to give it a fair shot. Like wow. You know how you do that to a movie? Like, oh, I hated it, but maybe if I give it another shot. Yeah. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Jason X did, didn't work for me twice. Wow. Okay, man. Any, any- okay. There are some interesting kills in it, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's just, it just didn't click with me. I, I just, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Wow. Okay. Any other Friday the 13th movies you could say that about? Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell I didn't like either. And I, I, that was another one I gave a, a fair shake to. I, like I said, I'm, I watch it again to see maybe if I, you know, miss something. But I just, it just, it, it, those two really didn't do it for me. Huh. Interesting. All right, man. Um, well, there's so many movies that, you know, they can't always win. Now, no. speaking of movies that had a lot of sequels, let's go into this one. This is now, no, we, we did the top three. Let me finish it off before we get out of the top three of of Nightmare, Halloween, and Friday. You got to pick one franchise that you can only watch movies from out of those three for the rest of your life. Which one is it? That's tough. I thought about it. I would have to say, I would probably say the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Only because Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Only because like there's not a. I def, there are definitely ones I like way more than others, but there's not one in there where I can be like, I didn't like this. Interesting. Okay, that's great because yeah, I, I it's funny. It's funny that we I know where you're getting at because we also included that in the discussion before. But I, I was like, I was like Nightmare, Halloween, or Friday the Thirteenth. Which one? And you're like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the right answer, man. It's the gore grind answer. Yeah, I know. Even like the worst movie is. I, I would watch it if somebody was uh, somebody was like you want to watch like I can't really think of what my least favorite one is right now but if they'd said let's watch that I'd be like yeah sure and I'd probably enjoy it now alright so now that we got that out of the way here's one I'm going to go out on a limb I, I admitted this already on the podcast um, I think on the, the, the episode we put out yesterday Children of the Corn the original Children of the Corn uh, movie from the you, you uh, Fan, thumbs up, thumbs down. You want to talk about it? I can't really say either because I, I, I didn't hate it, but it, it didn't blow me away either. Maybe I, it's just me. 
Not just you. Uh, I agree. I agree. I just, I'm just kind of indifferent to it. I don't. I, it was one of those movies I didn't see for a, a long time, or I saw it when I was younger and didn't remember it. But I watched it again recently, and I was like, ah, eh, it's, it's all right. I mean, it has its moments, but it's just another one that didn't really click with me that much. Yeah, and I, I said this too. I feel like I hadn't seen it in in. Um I don't even know if I ever saw it when I was a kid, man. If I did, I don't remember. But I, I, I watched it recently as an adult, and I just feel like it got so hyped up in popular culture over the years that to watch it now, it kind of like it, it can't live up to that hype. Yeah, because I guess yeah, that, it got the hype as like that's like the killer kid movie. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I, I hear you though, man. That's funny. I agree with you on that. Um, and next, all right. So next question, I want to ask you this: uh, favorite creepy kid from the seventies, The Omen or The Shining? I have to. I mean, The Shining is to me is the the better movie, but yeah, Damien was like, yeah, Damien was the creepy kid. I I, I remember being a little kid and watching him as they're, they're trying to drive him. You remember the scene where he where he he just like freaks out when they're when they're driving him to church yeah and the closer he gets to church the more he freaks out mm-hmm. like even when i was a little kid i watched him, i was like damn <laughs> this kid evil like he's, he's going to he's like freaking out like like he's being murdered or something like that uh, remember when he's when they take him to the zoo and the animals start acting scared of him yeah and yeah. something else stuck in my head is when that that lady goes to the top of the church or wherever it was and she goes, Damien, this is for you and she hangs herself in front of everybody, including yeah, him. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that, all right, the omen was creepy. Yeah, the, I mean, there, I'm not trying to compare and contrast movies. You know, I just kind of phrase it like that for the fun of the show to get the discussion going because they are, they, both movies are great. I, I, I'm a fan of both movies and, and they're, you know, they're about different things. Yeah. But if I had to pick, like, which character is creepier, definitely, definitely Damien. So, but the but yeah, The Shining is a great movie, man. What's your take on that? You remember watching that back in the day? Oh yeah, I've I've seen it a lot, like growing up. Like I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it. Now, what- I, it's, it's so hilarious how much Stephen King hates that. That's like his. That's probably I, I would imagine that's probably the most hated adaptation of his of his uh, writing. Like that, he really hate he has a hatred for that movie. That's what I've heard. That's what I read. Yeah. I guess it doesn't go as true to his story or whatever, because I, I, I never read the book. I mean, I read Stephen King's books, but I never read The Shining. Just seen the movie. Yeah, it's well. That's that's the kind of hard part with Stephen King is that if he has a film adaptation that he doesn't like, mo- most people aren't going to go back and read the book. You know, that's just how the audiences are. You know, so yeah. But yeah, it's just so funny. I guess I had heard that he didn't like Jack Nicholson's performance because it was too over the top, but. I'm a Jack Nicholson fan, so I, you know that that adds to it. If if you ask me, it was iconic. It probably just wasn't what he had pictured, you know. Yeah, he probably pictured him being a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen the follow-up Doctor Sleep, and I had heard that he liked that a lot more. And I was like, okay, I guess I see what he what he wanted compared to what he got. I haven't watched that, man. I haven't watched the follow. But you're right. is that worth a watch? Yeah, I think so. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell you it's anywhere near as good as The Shining, but it's it, it's definitely worth seeing, though. It's not. It's not a terrible movie at all. 
Yeah, I, I heard that came out, man. I um, never saw it. Um, and we already, I had written down Texas Chainsaw, but we addressed that, man. Um, and now, you know, I want to move into just any, all right, well, any, any last thoughts on those kind of like classic 80s and 70s and 90s horror movies that we talked about, the big franchises, man? Any that I forgot that you want to quickly throw in there? Well, I was thinking about Phantasm because I, yes. I revisited those not too long ago. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up revisiting. I only saw the first one. I haven't seen all the sequels, to be honest with you, man. So yeah. I'm going to revisit you could probably that. Go on, you could probably go online and find the, the whole collection really cheap. I found, like, you know, Mill Creek, one of those companies that puts out the really cheap uh, collection DVD sets. They they had done one for uh, all the Phantasms, and I I just rewatched them all. I, I, and, I'm pretty sure they're on Amazon Prime at the moment, too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there might be one or two that you have to go elsewhere yeah but, it's always like that the same thing with hellraiser those some of those movies. yeah yeah hellraiser was another one that i obviously i didn't see the, uh the, the the first hellraiser movie when it came out i was too young so by the time i went to go see hell it played in the in the theater at the cinema arts center uh in like the the late 90s at some point and i went to go see it and yeah, I, 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 I was with you for that one. Okay, we all, I think you, probably you, me, and Josh, maybe. I, I can't and remember. what's funny is I had seen part three way before I saw part one. Like, I think when I, when we saw part one at the Cinema Arts Center, I, I was actually watching that for the first time. Yeah, and so me too. And it's like going, it's one of those things. Again, we're saying this about a lot of movies. You go back now and you can appreciate it as a good movie, but the whole time I was waiting for Pinhead and all the Cenobites to jump out. You know what I mean? That, that's what's hilarious is that uh, I told you my my introduction to Freddy was part three, and my introduction to Hellraiser was also a part three. <laughs> Lucky number three. I saw three. part three when it came out, and I didn't see part one till like the till the late nineties with you. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, now I can go back and watch it, and it's a good horror movie because I'm not expect, you know, I'm not expecting Pinhead to be all over the place, but it's it's a little disappointing if you, yeah. you know, but yeah, good 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 flick nonetheless, man. The Hellraiser movies, but yeah, Hellraiser they really amped it up with part two though. I think like that that's ones like where they like went just like off the hook with the gore and the crazy imagery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I enjoy the Hellraiser series, man. They're always kind of off the beaten path. Even some of the later weird ones, you know. Yeah, that's another one where, like how I said with Texas Chainsaw, like, you know, there are definitely ones that are nowhere near as good as others, but there's not one where you're like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And now, now, because that's a good good segue, really, because we're talking about franchises where there's, like, a lot to go through, and inevitably, you know, once you get to a certain number, you're going to have one or two stinkers. Um, And on that sentiment, another thing I said I was going to ask you about was kind of, like, saturated horror genres, subgenres, like... you know, you're like we're nowadays. We have all these streaming services, and we're looking through like a billion movies that are all about a post-apocalyptic landscape, like like the movie the movie The Road, based on the book The Road. You know, something like that. And there's a million knockoffs, uh, straight to video or straight to Amazon Prime or straight to Netflix or whatever, man. So we're gonna play this game. I'm gonna list a few like subgenres like that, and I'm gonna ask you to maybe recommend. Um, what what you would go to like? So if I wanted to watch a post-apocalyptic movie like The Road, uh, like what what would, what would a few maybe in that vein some way you know? 
you know, it's gonna it's gonna sound funny, but I know there are a ton of like post-apocalypse mov- apocalypse movies, but I don't know why I'm drawing such a blank with like with these. I, I know I've seen them, but hmm. I haven't I haven't I haven't really seen a lot of them where I'm just like, whoa, I gotta I gotta go see that again. Well, there's like there's a few iconic ones like Children of Men, and um, uh, I get like Mad Max is kind of I guess in that vein. I'm kind of like as I was telling it to you, as as I was asking you the question, Mad Max popped into my head, and I realized Mad Max Mad Max is kind of like that, even though it's a little more fast paced. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it is a good movie. Well, so are there any like that that maybe aren't? Because like the road is dark and it's kind of slow paced and it's but but like Mad Max. What about something like that, man? Is there something like Mad Max where it's crazy and and all over the top? People are living tribally and everything. Yeah, there there actually is. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh man, this it's like right at the tip of my tongue the name of this movie there was <laughs> there was one that was like that that was really good like it it had the gore and like it, it was it was really gory it was like a lot of crazy stuff going on what was it tell, um I'll, I'll look at we can edit this by the way we don't have to keep this in if you want to take a minute you remember anything about I believe, it I believe the movie was called Doomsday if I'm not mistaken there's a million movies called that but I think it was from 2010 that was called Doomsday. Oh, I got here. 2008, Doomsday. 2008. Yeah, I remember this one, man. Um, it was uh, I was from the United Kingdom somewhere, right? And it had, it had a really weird kind of twist at the ending. Yeah. But yeah. that one, like, kind of reminded me of, like, the more horror gore-based, uh, like, Mad Max almost kind of thing. You're right. You're right. There was some cool stuff in that movie, man. I got to go back and rewatch that. Um, all right. I was trying to think of it when I, when I was struggling to think of the title. I was like, come on, man. It's such a simple title that, like, <laughs> there's probably a million movies with that title, Doomsday. That, that's what it was. Well, there are, dude. And, and, um, you know, I was on a I'm horror. Not, Go ahead. I'm so, I was just saying, like, I don't know why I'm drawing such a blank with, like, post apocalypse. I mean, there are good ones. I just can't, like, I'm not good with the names on these. Well, it's, it's like gl- <laughs> glutted. Um, because I think the, like the road, I recently rewatched the road and I watched a movie, it's called light of my life. And it's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like they took the backbone of like the skeleton of the road and like made their own little thing out of it. It's got, it's like slightly different and it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's as good in my personal opinion, man, but there's so many movies now that are like in a post-apocalyptic landscape, one person, survives and you know they're kind of like it, it became its own thing so that's kind of like the point of what i'm doing i'm trying to get get one recommendation out of you that you would pick so that's good so we got doomsday uh, doomsday would be it because you know i'm not trying to dislike the post-apocalypse thing but like a lot of the movies i've seen like i either don't remember them i'm just like no that wasn't bad but it was like it wasn't like something where i was like oh i got i gotta recommend this to my friends well, I mean that you could say the same thing about a lot of subgenres of metal that are huge right now, where there's so many bands, you know. Yeah, um, this is like so much where you can't really think. Well, I mean, so that's the perfect segue for the next one I want to ask you about. So much that you can't even think, dude. Zombie movies. What the fuck happened in the last ten years? Oh yeah, that's that's just a 
like there's so many zombie movies like you hear a lot of zombie fans be like i'm sick of all these zombie movies coming out it's insane and it's just a lot of them are just kind of like uh you know cut and paste you know uh cut loaf of bread zombie movie you know what i mean man it's it's weird yeah i mean you occasionally run into some good ones like if you want a recommendation of like a, a newer there's one called zombie isle zombie isle okay yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's get into this, Adam, because I think everybody knows what we're talking about here. I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say blame. I think The Walking Dead, ha, you know, I, I'm, I haven't kept up with all 15 seasons and all 20 different like offshoot pro shows and mini movies and like it's, it's, it's got its own world into itself, The Walking Dead. And yeah. from from what I've seen, it's got its merits. I'm not gonna like shit talk the walking dead but like i think since that blew up it made this whole mini market of like way lower quality zombie stuff out there yeah and i'm not against lower quality because some of my favorite zombie movies are lower quality but i know what you mean like you know big budget like but you know they're big budget but they're like you know nothing spectacular either yeah, I don't mean lower quality in terms of like budget. I mean lower quality in terms of I don't want to watch it. <laughs> you know. Oh I mean? yeah, that, yeah, I completely <laughs> agree with that. Yeah, so 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 with that in mind, uh, Zombie Isle is that, and, and I also know you go deep with your movies, man. Is that a, is that do you think you can find that streaming, or is that is that a bigger movie, or is that a really underground one? That's pretty underground, but you know, with streaming nowadays, like you you can find it streaming. I I, I got it pretty cheap on DVD. I can't remember the company that put it out, but it's it's one of those more recent zombie movies that I, I really enjoyed. You wouldn't know it from looking at the cover. Like the, it, it's got the most typical cover you ever saw. You know, like huh. the cover where it's just like it's it's the girl in like you know the cut off jean shorts, and like you see her from the back, and you see like some zombies coming after her. Yeah, very typical. Like, yeah, the poster looks so cheesy, but if you watch the movie, you'd be like, I'm glad I looked past the poster and checked the movie out. All right, man. Zombie Isle. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled out for that one, man. That's what I mean, though, dude. There's so many. Even just, like, going through, like, what's free on Amazon Prime. Because uh, uh, I, I, I was telling on the, another episode, um, uh, a relative gave me access to their Amazon Prime video account because uh, I've been laid up. So I've been watching all these fucking stupid movies. And it's like, you could just, you could, if you wanted to, you could watch 10 zombie movies in a row that you never heard of. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, definitely. What? I mean, my, some of my favorites are still, you know, of course, Lucio Fulci's Zombie or Zombie Flesh Eaters, wherever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, That's, yeah. That Burial Ground. Burial Ground is definitely one of my all-time favorites. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. just so many. I mean, I, I can't think of post-apocalypse apocalypse movies that well because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them, but I haven't, also haven't seen a lot of them. But Zombies, like... Ever since I was a little kid, I've just I've probably seen like hundreds, if not thousands, of those. Well, yeah, because there was even in the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of zombie movies that were just kind of straight to video. Excuse me, straight to video or B movies that you didn't really hear a lot about. But now it's become a mainstream thing. It almost reminds me of like when the black metal bands blew up in the nineties, and everyone was kind of like late to the party with the corpse paint, and every label yeah. was signing a billion bands, and it just. But it was like kind of like. The train already left, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, so that's cool, man. So Zombie Isle, I just wanted to get a few recommendations from you from, like, recently because um, 
Anything else from like the last 10 years in terms of zombie movies that's worth picking apart from the pack? I know there is. Uh, I mean, there are some, well, I guess they'd be considered older. Like as far as newer, like newer is harder, but like if you talked about like you know, of course, 80s and 90s, I could talk about that all day long, but... Well, yeah, that's what I mean. There's just so much nowadays, dude. It's crazy. Have you... Have, or here's a here's, here's a controversial question, Adam. I don't want to blow up your spot. Have you tried to watch The Walking Dead? No, I, I haven't. Like, honestly, it just... I, I just really don't feel like I enjoy it. Too main... You think it's just going to be, like, too mainstream of a take on things, and it's just too... Like something that's kind of like you know your your niche thing, kind of going going big time. Yeah, I mean, like one of the best special effects artists in the world is the guy who's behind it. Like he he worked for George Romero, the guy who does Walking Dead, yeah. Greg Nicotero. Like he he actually he he runs the K and B effects group that they all worked under Tom Savini. I mean, you couldn't ask for, like, a better group, but, like, I don't know, just something about the show just seems like I would not enjoy it. I mean, it, it's gory enough and all that stuff, but it just seems more, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, like, I really, people always tell me to give it a shot, but I, it might sound ignorant of me, but it just doesn't seem like something I enjoy. Mm. I mean, I might, I might think about, you know, trying to watch it, but I don't know, people that aren't even, people that, like, don't even like horror and like have nightmares about like movies that aren't even scary or talking about how great that show is. I'm like, <laughs> seriously? Well, it's, I mean, here's the thing, dude. And, and people could intellectualize this all day, but in our, and it's like your gut instinct is that it's become too normalized. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, that has something to do with it. It's just where I feel ignorant of what I just said, but at the same time, it's just like, something about that show just irks me like i don't think i like it dude that's how i feel about death metal being so big nowadays it's ignorant and i try to keep my mind open and support younger bands and newer bands but at the end of at the end of the day there's something in my, the bottom and like the pit of my stomach that doesn't like how huge and saturated death metal is right now yeah i think that's got something to do with it it's got it's got bubble boiled down a little bit um but, but you know, I, I got one, like, Freddy vs. Jason, like, that movie won me over, and that I always thought was, like, just some big cash-in, cheesy thing, like, put two horror icons against each other, but, you know, I, I gave it a shot, and that wasn't bad either, but The Walking Dead, I don't know, it just seems hmm. like, more, like, TV drama with some zombie gore in it. I don't know, it just, it just doesn't appeal to me. It's like mixing two things that, like, you know... I wouldn't like together. Like trying to compare the movie Easy Rider to watching Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I think I see where you're going, and I agree with you. But I might have to give Walking Dead a chance if I don't get back to work soon, man. I'm still on the mend here. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I'll end up like giving. It's funny how even George Romero didn't like it, and George Romero's good friends with the guy who makes it. Maybe he's just maybe George Romero feels like us. He wants to keep it sick. He wants to keep it underground. Yeah, I think he's always like you know zombies don't run. Hmm. 
Well, all right. So I, I still I still love uh, Nightmare City. And the, those zombies. Those that was your. Even Quentin Tarantino said that Nightmare City had the original, like you know, run you know the original running zombies. Nightmare City. I'm not familiar with that one, man. You probably remember it, but we watched it together. It, it was the remember in the beginning of the movie where the zombies jump out of the helicopter and they're like moving around like normal people and shooting and running and stabbing people. What does it go under a different name? I'm sure it has. It's an Italian movie, so I'm sure it has like eight thousand different. Is, is it one of the? Now this is. Yeah, yeah, I think I still have the VHS. Let me look this up real quick because yeah, it's, I remember watching it with you. It was made by uh, Umberto Lindsay. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's like also billed as a zombie sequel, but has nothing to do with the actual movie zombie. Yeah, I that's think. Not, that sounds like an Italian zombie movie to me. Um, I'm looking it up, man, because you're right. Yeah, Umberto Lindsay. I think it was also called, it might have been called something like City of the Walking Dead or something like that. That might, because I have a dub of that, but it's named something else, man. Yeah, I remember, yeah, when we watched it, it was called something else, but... Is that the one with the radio, there's like a radio announcer and he ends up being a zombie at the end and he's still like announcing the radio as a zombie? Yeah, I believe that happened at the end, yeah. Okay, I don't remember what it's... um called on the video i have oh, city of the walking dead yeah i probably have i probably have one that's labeled city of the walking dead yeah that one is it was silly but it's fun to watch yeah i remember not being a huge fan of it when i first saw it but it's another one of those ones that like i warmed up to yeah man you can kind of watch it now and it's got its little charm just like that judeca album it's got its own charm yeah definitely so Definitely it was done like nobody else had done. And even Quentin Tarantino gave it credit as being like the first fast-moving zombie. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have uh, 28 Days Later. What do you think of the 28 Days Later and 28 Months Later? You seen those? Or 28 Weeks yeah. Later, whatever. Yeah. I don't hate I don't hate them. They're not movies where I have to like, oh, I can't wait to watch it again. But I, I definitely, you know, they definitely, you know, they, 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 they had some pretty cool things going on. Yeah, man, not bad. Um, all right, so moving on from the zombie movies, one more I want to get to with you. Maybe you've seen something uh, uh, a little bit more like like out of left field, um, because the the supernatural possessed by demons movies got really big there for a while. You had like the possession of Emily Rose and yeah. the Last Exorcism, and there was like all these movies for a while. Man, it got, it got a, not as crazy as the zombie stuff, but you gotta you gotta pick through your demonic exorcism movies if you're looking for something nowadays. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like it didn't blow up like the zombies did, but it definitely blew up at least a little because. Yeah, you had the exorcism of Emily Rose, and you had like you had the the haunting movies, which I know those are more haunted house movies, but there was possession going on in those too. Yeah, well, I mean, then you could start getting into paranormal activity, and it's this whole big thing, you know. Yeah. So, so what what on that tip on like the spiritual warfare, exorcism, demons tip? Are there any movies that come to mind that maybe you don't think people might might, might be up on that you might want to recommend? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the American guinea pig series. I, I know there is one, but, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not up on it. Because there's, there's a guy named uh, Stephen Biro. He, he got a little infamy because he, he bootlegged the original uh, guinea pigs and, and movies and was selling them. 
Hmm. Okay. And he ended up forming, you know, after that whole thing, he ended up forming his own company called Unearth Films, and he started, he started doing like his own guinea pig movies. Like he started calling like the American Guinea Pig series, <laughs> and the first movie he did was called uh, Bouquet of Guts and Gore, which okay. is a great movie. It's it's like you know, it's like simulated like snuff type of stuff, but it's like like top notch gore in it top-notch atmosphere you know all that stuff and it, it, it started turning into a franchise and one of one of the movies in the franchise was called song of solomon which was like very like exorcist influenced like demonic possession movie hmm. okay but it, it's it's but it's like really gruesome now it's probably like one of my favorite demonic possession movies is song of solomon Wow. Okay. So, but it's it's really brutal with gore and stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. This sounds that's <laughs> that sounds like a little. I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. Asking you to recommend something like that, man. That sounds like yeah. I'm one of my fa- one of my favorite scenes is where uh, the possessed girl makes uh, a priest rip out his own eyeballs. <laughs> okay, man. I all right. I, I will look out for that, man. That sounds that sounds like a little hidden gem for some of our listeners who might not know that, man. That's cool. All yeah, right. I mean, in the underground horror community, it's pretty well known. But like anybody outside of that, is probably like you know, oh, American Guinea Pig. Yeah, but yeah. I definitely recommend all the all all the American Guinea Pig movies I've seen so far. Are really good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's what that's why I got you here for this conversation because <laughs> you're, you're a little bit more keyed in. Um, than some people, and the, and now the last the last it's not really a horror subgenre. It's kind of like a uh, a genre with a lot of movies that we like. Um, that that can also be gory or violent. Uh, but I noticed after the Sopranos in like the early two thousands, there were tons of really low budget straight to video mob movies, uh, mafia movies, gangster movies. It's, it was like every movie was like. We used to play stickball in Brooklyn, and then it's like a flashback scene, and it's like it was just all this like low budget, generic, you know, like wannabe, you know, Goodfellas, but can't hack it type stuff, like like the gangster movies. Man, are there any gangster movies you've seen? Maybe like gangster movies that intersect with your horror movies or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there's actually there's actually it's from from England. There's actually there's a director named Darren Ward. Okay. And he has this trilogy of gangster movies. Like it's like really some of the goriest like gangster movies I've ever seen. Like they really they really pack a punch. Really? Oh, I'm looking this up right now. Uh, you can't recall the name at the minute? Uh, I think his most well known one is the second in the trilogy. It's called A Day of Violence. It's, uh, it, is he is he is he also an English uh, soccer player? No, it's I I remember looking him up and coming across that too. But no, that's because I know those guys get fucking violent as hell too, man. That's because that's yeah, the first yeah. thing that comes up. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I would look up Darren Ward, director. No, I got him. So it's it's coming up. Yeah, a day of violence, uh, sudden fury, and beyond fury. Would those be the movies? Those are them. And Sudden Fury. Sudden Fury is the first movie. I think they came out in the the late nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Ninety seven, it says. Yeah, I got it here. Yeah. And uh, and I guess his most recent one was uh, Beyond Fury, just two years ago, 2019. Yeah. Yeah, they're all great movies. Okay, see, that Adam, this is like 
I, I mean, I, I knew when we had this conversation it was going to be good for some of the listeners who are interested, but I just got a whole bunch of movies I never even, even knew of that I, I got to really check out, man. I appreciate it. This is awesome. I'll definitely check out um, uh, his movies. That's cool, man. Yeah, those that trilogy is like some of the most brutal gang violence you'll see. Like, oh. it's, it's definitely like, you know, crime, you know, crime drama, gang violence. Like, it's just... Yeah, he definitely does a good job with that. Interesting, man. Yeah, the the uh, the British crime movies are always interesting to me because it's like a different, you know, different from what we see. Not that we're in the criminal underworld, but it's a whole different take on on the streets from what we see with like the American and New York City kind of themed crime uh, stories, man. And they don't, from what I gather, they don't like at least what's portrayed in the movies in in Britain. It's a lot more knives than guns. Well, yeah, because you can't legally have a gun there, but there's definitely gun violence in these movies. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll check them out, man. We won't wade into my understanding of um, of other uh, other cultures, man. I'm a pretty ignorant person, but um, all right. So that well, that's pretty much all I got, man. And I've had you on the line. Uh, we've been going for almost two hours here, Adam. I by the way, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. No, no problem. I had a good time doing it. Yeah, dude, it's awesome, and we just wanted to drop a special little thing for the for the listeners for the, for Halloween. I think we did it, um, and just to wind down, one last question that I had for you, um, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, as, as I said at the top, we have an episode where you break down, um, you know, growing up and getting into heavy metal and getting into grindcore and uh, all that sort of thing here in Huntington. Any Halloween stories growing up, man? I don't know if you just want to kick a little Halloween yarn. For everybody, uh, um, uh, 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 you know, like, I don't know if there's anything spooky that ever happened, uh, any kind of, like, uh, Huntington legends or any tales of a particularly crazy Halloween night in Huntington Station where kids were going nuts and there was crime going on. Um, just anything you want to tell, any any Halloween story to finish off the night? Um, just the one that pops into mind is when me and my brother and my cousin and like a bunch of other people just like we just like we went out one we went out one Halloween I think I think I, I drank like a 12 pack in 15 minutes because we had to leave really quick uh, oh my. I, I, was pre- I was pretty I was pretty nice and wasted for this one <laughs> it was when Adam was drinking now yeah it was just like a blur of like people trying to like start with us we were like throwing like not rocks, but like boulders at their cars and stuff like that. It was just like, it was like, it's like this violent blur of like craziness. Like, like I think the year before that, it was like, I was, I was still trick or treating. Like this, this was like a, a, this is where like the, the holiday got more violent, I guess. (laughs) Crossing over into, into a man's Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. It became, yeah. Became a man that Halloween. Well, I, yeah, I just asked because, you know, we talked about this on the last one, man. Um, the, the area you're from here in Huntington, uh, especially in the 80s and 90s, it was a little tougher um, to be a kid growing up over there, you know? You, you could say that, right? Yeah. I mean, some people say, like, oh, the way you talk about where you grew up, it sounds like you were in Compton. I was like, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great either, though. Yeah, well, definitely an area, and you know, I I I'm not too far away, man. But it's a little less populated over on my block, man. But um, you know, Hall- Halloween night in Huntington Station, man. <laughs> you always want to have the kids home from trick or treating early. You know, you never know what's gonna happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Well, um, well, we appreciate Adam. Any uh, anything you want to share? Any plans that you're doing this Halloween? Any any movies you're watching or anything? Yeah, I'm probably. I mean, I used to have the the old tradition of oh, you got to watch the first Halloween on on Halloween, and yeah, I'll probably end up doing that. But <laughs> I've been more obscure movies in the rotation, like Hack O' Lantern from 1988. That's that's one people should check out. Like that's. Great. That's like a staple Halloween movie. Great. There's also Jack Jack O from 1995, but like a, a killer Jack O' Lantern with a scythe. I'm always a sucker for a scythe killer. So, yeah, yeah. Not every day. But you it's see it's that. it's just like you know, low budget, cheesy, but gory as hell. Good Halloween movies. I like that. That's good. So if people are tired of watching, if you don't want to ruin Halloween for yourself by watching it every year on Halloween, let's <laughs> get yeah. gets old, man. That's like I, we, me and some of my family members, we used to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on, you know, or or Chris or the day after or before Christmas every year, dude. After we did that three or four times, it was like a chore. Like then we watched something else. Yeah, it's like let's do something else. So put some obscure and there's also one called death o lantern too death o lantern okay cool man i mean it's it's goofy but it's gory <laughs> too it's it's a lot of fun decent special effects yeah there's i mean putting a setting a horror movie on halloween and it's not the actual movie halloween you already got the odds stacked against you man you know yeah there's you know nobody else in the house likes you know like low budget no budget gore like me so i just like you know i'll get those movies in the morning and then you know do the traditional <laughs> stuff later on yeah after the rest of the family goes to sleep then you put in all the crazy stuff man yeah pretty much all right man awesome well i'm I, dude i'm i'm very excited right now uh you know it's, it's like i've been saying over and over again i got a little extra time going on now so i'm gonna check out zombie isle and nightmare city again well nightmare city uh, I, I have city of the walking dead song of solomon and um, these Darren Ward movies, I'm very excited to check out, man. I will definitely peep those. And I appreciate all of your uh, recommendations. And big shout and happy Halloween to Tom and Justin, who couldn't be here for this bonus episode. Uh, but we appreciate them. And um, just before I sign out, Adam, let me get the plug in. It's heavyholepodcast.com. has all the links for social media and Patreon and all that sort of thing going on uh, if people want to tune in. And now, Adam, I'll just let you, is there anything that you want to plug or promote from your own projects and and that sort of thing uh, before we get out of here? Um, I mean, I I, I do have a couple of split tapes that came out, but, you know, I've been trying to keep my my project liquefied insides going a little bit like I'm doing it here and there. Like I don't have time like I used to, so I'm not pumping out the projects, but you know, I try to record something here and there. You know, I, I still got my, my setup. I have a, I have a four track and a mixer. So I've been doing, I've been doing on and off this project called low budget splatter gore. <laughs> awesome. I just got my, my friend embryo, Steven Embry from uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. He's still, oh, he, he's still kicking around, huh? He's still doing stuff. That's yeah. awesome. Shout out to him. He keeps, he keeps himself low key, but he's still doing stuff. Yep. Shout out to him, man. Awesome. Yeah, I flaked out on a split tape on a noise project with him many years ago, man. My all apologies to him if he if he hears this by some stretch. But um uh that that's cool, man. And so so Adam, um now winding it down, we're just at the two hour mark and we'll cut it here. Uh, any last Halloween wishes uh for for followers of your music and the uh, all the other stuff you're involved in? Um, and listeners of our show. 
I just tell everybody, you know, be safe, watch, eat some candy, watch some gore, listen to some crazy-ass music, and just everybody try to have a good time. That's all. Exactly, man. That's it. Happy Halloween from Heavy Hole Podcast. Thank you to Adam Rotella, our guest. And, uh, of course, if if you uh, missed it, this is the last act of our triple feature this weekend. We also had an interview with Leon Del Muerte of Impaled, Exhumed, and many more bands uh, put out yesterday. And the, the, the day before, uh, Steve Murray of Flesh Grind. So if all went uh, according to plan, people got their triple feature with Steve Murray of Flesh Grind, Leon Del Muerte, and now Adam Rotella uh, this Halloween weekend. So happy Halloween, Adam, and happy Halloween from Heavy Hole Podcast to all the listeners.